scripture passage because we will, over the next few weeks, be looking at these verses that have been called life verses. And I explained a little bit of that last week if you weren't here. Uh, these life verses are verses that are either our favorite verse or they're that verse that really grounds us and defines our faith for us. One of those that we can go to again and again to find our strength and to find our direction. And we're going to be looking at a few of these different verses and encourage you over these weeks to maybe pick one of these that we use or, or go through the Bible yourself or some of your favorite passages and find that life verse that really defines the faith for you. Uh, before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and heavenly Father, Lord, you have uh, given us your word. Father, the indwelling word of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord, and this word written in paper and ink for us, Lord, to read and to come to again and again, to find our strength, to find understanding, and find a grounding for our faith. Lord, as we read this today, I pray that you would inspire us, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would move in us, that as we read, that as we hear, that we may understand your good and perfect will for our lives. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Job chapter 19, verse 25. Listen now to the word of the Lord. I know that my redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So whenever you hear the name Job, suffering almost always comes to mind. When you think of Job, when you think of his life, when you think of the book of Job, you think of hardship and suffering and asking those tough questions. And he got this reputation honestly. He really did, because I don't think anybody is as synonymous with hardship and patient endurance and unjust suffering as this poor character of Job. And he really is a poor character. It's hard not to feel sorry for Job, and it's not just for his hardship. There, there's a part of us that at one point in our life is always going to identify with Job. Almost every Christian, every believer who knows that this book exists is led at some point in their life to open it up and to search for answers. And it is kind of a difficult book to read sometimes. The book of Job is a story, if you're not familiar with it, a story about, obviously, a man named Job, and he was a good man. We're told at the opening at the very beginning that he was a good man, and he was a righteous man, and he suffered tremendously. One of the first things that happened to him, here he is, he's a good man, he, he's got lots of property, he's been blessed, and he gets news that attackers have come and they've killed off all of his sheep, which is basically where your property is, all his sheep, all his cattle, they've destroyed his homes. So now he's, he's, he's in poverty, now he's penniless and broke. Everything's been taken from him. And then another wave of bad news comes in and says, all oh, your sons and daughters are dead now. So he's lost everything that he's ever loved. 
And then he gets a disease. These sores start breaking out over his skin, and there's no cure for him. And it said that Job sat in the dust, and he took a shard of clay, a pot, and he was, he was scraping the sores as he sat in the dust, and he mourned all of his losses. And then the people who were supposed to be his friends, they were supposed to be a support to him, ended up turning on him as well. His wife comes up to him and says, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? Which is basically a way of telling him to kill himself. They believed that if they cursed God, then God would strike you dead. And that's what she's saying. Just curse God. Job, just kill yourself now, okay? You just miserable, miserable man. Just go ahead and kill yourself. Thanks, honey. Really like that support you're giving me when I needed it the most. It's telling me to take my own life now. And then his friends, his friends show up. You know what his friends say to him? Job, what did you do now? You must have done something to deserve this. God doesn't punish people unless they've done something wrong. So what is it, Job? What have you done wrong? We know you must have done something to deserve all these awful things that have happened to you. And if all that wasn't bad enough, gosh, to really, to really, the icing on the cake is the reason why Job was going through this was because of a bet between God and Satan. That's right, Satan comes and, and told God, I bet you I can get Job to curse your name. God says, I bet you can't. Let's see. And that's the source of his suffering, a bet between God and Satan. Does it get more unfair than that? I mean, can you imagine it's how awful it is? The suffering you're going through as a righteous person, you didn't deserve it. Oh, because God and Satan wanted to have a bet. Now, despite this, it might sound like an awful book already, but I, I promise you, it's, this is a wonderful book. It's a beautiful book. And, e and even by itself, it is, it is just a, it's, it's a wonderful work of literature, if you like good literature, uh, to read this. But the, the subject matter is also quite profound. Because all through the book, they struggle with that eternal question. Why do bad things happen to good people? Or, or why do we even experience pain and hardship in life anyway? That's the subject matter, and that's the theme that this book tackles. Now, in case anybody thinks, well, this is the Bible, obviously going to give me all the answers I want for why bad things happen, and especially bad things happen to good people. I'm going to give you a little spoiler here, okay? It doesn't answer the question. It does not answer that most fundamental question that the book sets itself out to answer to begin with. Well, I take that back. It does give an answer. But it's not an answer people like to hear. Because the answer that Job gives, the book of Job gives, to why pain happens in the world and to why good people suffer, the answer is faith. That's the answer. The answer is faith, and that is the answer in the book of Job to this awful, terrible question that human beings always have and always will wrestle with as long as we have human beings here on this earth. All throughout the pages, Job struggles with this question, why? And as he struggles with it, he reaches out to the one place that he can find consolation. He reaches out to the one place that he can find any hope and strength amidst his pain and hardship, his faith. 
And in that faith, he proclaims, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. It's a very simple statement. Just, just two little lines, one verse squeezed right there in 31 chapters of Job. It's easy to miss on your first, second, or even your third reading just to pass over it with all the other things that Job is saying, all his other complaints and all his musings and wonderings. But if you stop for a minute and, and, you, and you park right there on that one little verse, we begin to understand why it was said and why this gives us the one answer to the most disturbing human problem. Or at least it gets us as close as we possibly can to getting an answer. The message that Job gives us is a message that everybody at some point in their life needs to hear. And we need to hear it because we all get in a place similar to Job. Not, we don't, I, don't, I don't know if many people have gone through exactly what Job went through. And, and suffered to the extent that Job did. But we feel it the same way. We feel it just as deeply as Job did. Whenever we go through great pain or great suffering or great questions, we might not have lost as much as Job lost, but we all feel the pain that Job felt. And so all of us come to a point where we need to hear that same message that Job gives us. At some point in our life, our heart aches to hear the message, the answer that Job offers us. It's going to be okay. That's what he tells us. It's going to be okay. I know it hurts now. I know it hurts, but it's going to be okay. I know it might be terrible right now, but it's going to be okay. I know right now you might hurt, you might grieve, you might be full of questions and confusions, but it's going to be okay. I know you may be lonely, you may be afraid, maybe life is a mess and you just feel like you've just really, really just messed everything up terribly. But it's going to be okay. And I know this because I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth. If we believe this message, if we take it into our heart of hearts, then we can bear up under almost any pressure that life can give us. See, these are the words of faith that were uttered by Job. This is what he said when he was hurt, when he was sick, when he had, he had lost everything. His wife was tormenting him. His friends turned on him and his, and his friends were blaming him. But you see, none of this compared at all to the worst pain that he felt. And that was the pain that God had maybe abandoned him. And that was the question that was really burning through Job's mind. And that hurt him worse than, than all the things that he lost. It hurt him worse than his disease. It hurt him worse than his, his wife's insults and his, and his friends blaming him. It was this haunting idea that God had maybe abandoned him. And that was what he wrestled with most of all because he couldn't think of any other reason. For why this had happened is that, is, that, is that God had abandoned him and God had did this very thing to him. And he wondered and, 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 he, and he thought, why would God hurt me like this? 
Why would God put me through this kind of pain? And at one point he says, I cursed the day that my mother and father had laid eyes on each other. Why was I born for this? If God brought me into this world just to cause me pain, why even go through the trouble? He, he, he was in that, that dark of darkest places where, where our pain and where the situations of our life, they push us to wrestle with our faith at a fundamental level. And see, the heart of that faith, the heart of that faith is that we have a good and loving God, and that good and loving God is good to us, and He loves us, but then it comes upon this reality that we're hurting, and we're going through things that, that a person who's good and loves us shouldn't put us through. And it doesn't feel like love, and it doesn't feel like good. That awful question comes up into the depths of that darkness. Maybe God doesn't love me after all. He's making me go through this awful, terrible stuff and all this pain. Maybe he doesn't love me after all. See, this is what makes Job heroic. This is what makes Job one of the greatest heroes of Scripture. Because in that pain and in that doubt, he refused to give up his faith. He refused to believe otherwise. Even though all this evidence was being thrown up to the contrary. He refused to believe anything else about God besides God's goodness and God's love. Even if he wasn't feeling the goodness. Even if he wasn't feeling the love. Even as he questioned God, he believed. Even as he wrestled with his doubt. Even he believed. Even as the doubt was trying to end and take hold of him. And cast its shadow upon his heart. He believed. He said, I know I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And one of the amazing things about this book is nobody's really sure how old this book is. There's some scholars that believe that this was the first book of the Bible that was ever written. There's some things about the language that are very old or very ancient that make scholars think that even though the events weren't the first events of the Bible, that this was actually the very first book written of the Bible. But we don't know when it was written. We don't know who wrote it. We're not even sure if Job was a historical figure or is this a parable, kind of like the parables that Jesus told to teach us a lesson. We don't know any of those things about the story. But having this very old, old story, the way it is shows us that the, from the very moment that human beings learned how to write and to tell stories and to ask questions, they were asking the question of why does bad things happen to good people? Why do we suffer in a world that was made by a good and loving God? And ever since human beings have ever been able to think and write about this question, they've come to the conclusion that faith is the only answer. And for all the times that we've thought about it, how much we've thought about it, we've never gotten any closer to the place that the book of Job gets, that faith is the only answer. To say, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. So, you know, to redeem something is to buy it back. That's what redeem means. 
So a redeemer is someone who, who buys something, buys things back. And in particular, they're talking about a person. Now, in, in our world, we don't have to redeem people a whole lot because we don't, well, it's illegal to buy and sell people. But in the time Job was written through much of the ancient world, this was actually very common. People could be held because if they, if they were too much in debt, they would become slaves to the person they owed money to. If people uh, in cer certain crimes would be made, would be made a slave. Sometimes they were captured and made slaves. A lot of times if you're captured as a prisoner of war, they would hold you until someone could pay your ransom. And those were all examples of, of being redeemed, of someone having to come and to buy you back and then pay the price that you might be free again. And so Job, he says, I know I have a redeemer. I know my redeemer lives. He's having faith that God is the one who can purchase him back from all of his trouble. He can buy him back from all of his pain, from all of his doubt, from all of his fear. This redeemer can do this. And he is alive. He's real. He's not a phantom. He's not a figment of his imagination. He's not this idol of like stone or clay or wood. He says, this is a redeemer who lives. I know he lives. I know he's real. I know he's alive. Even if he doesn't seem like it at the present moment. I know I have a redeemer. And that's, this Redeemer at the last is going to stand upon the earth. And this is Job proclaiming, knowing, and this is his faith that I've got a Redeemer who's going to purchase me, who's going to deliver me from my troubles, and this same Redeemer is going to stand on the earth at the very last days. When history is finished, when the last days of the earth are upon us, that Redeemer, that Redeemer who lives that I believe in, that I trust, that Redeemer's who will be standing he will still be here. He not only lives, he lives forever. My Redeemer not only lives, he outlives everything else. Actually, our Redeemer is going to be the last one standing. He'll be the last one standing on the earth when everything else has fallen. He will have the last word on everything when all else has died. And so what Job speaks here is not only words of faith, he's speaking words of prophecy because he's talking about Jesus Christ. This very first book of the Bible is also the first place where we find a prophecy of Jesus. For he is our Redeemer. He is our living Redeemer, and at the end of the age, he will be standing on the earth. Have y'all ever heard that uh, phrase, the victor writes history? You've heard that, haven't you? That means whoever wins gets to write the story of the war. Whoever wins, gets they're the ones that get to write the history and to say who was good and who was bad, who was on the right side and who was on the wrong side. So when we say that my Redeemer is standing on the earth at the last, that means our Redeemer is standing when all the other powers and the empires have fallen. When every nation is gone, even America of itself will be gone. All the great, all the mighty, all the rich, all the popular, all those will fall. But only Christ will be left standing. At the very end, when it all falls down, Christ will be the one left standing. He is the victor alone. And he will be the one to write the history. His word will be the word who says who is wrong and who is right. 
His word will be the word to say who was good and who was evil, whose life was a success and whose life was a failure. His word will be the word that says who takes hold of eternal life and who doesn't. And our faith is that this Redeemer will right every wrong we have ever experienced. He will wipe away every tear that we have cried. He will free us from every chain that has ever bind us. He will free us from any enemy and any power that has ever sought to destroy us. He will stand upon the earth and redeem all of his people. In other words, it's going to be okay. Our Redeemer, your Redeemer, is going to stand at the last. And listen, I know sometimes that might sound like cheap consolation. I know it does. Don't worry about it. It'll be okay one day far off in the future. Yes, you might be dead. Everybody you know might be dead when this happens, but it's going to be okay. Trust me, one day we'll see it. The problem with that consolation is, well, it hurts right now it hurts a lot right now that's exactly what job wrestled with i know my redeemer lives i know that he will have the last word at the last times but i hurt right now i'm in pain right now well i wish i could tell you something different i really do but the truth is, sometimes a future hope is all that we have. Sometimes faith is all that we have. And I know some people hate that answer. They don't want to hear that answer. And they hate it so much, they not only reject the answer, but they reject God as well. So you could just have this God and his, his pie-in-the-sky consolation of the one day I'll make everything right. Well, if you reject God, you don't trade a future hope for a present one. When you reject God, not only do you reject the future hope, but you still don't have a present hope. Because rejecting God and rejecting all of his promises is not going to make the pain go away. It might make you feel a little bit better because you're getting back at the one that you thought caused all of your troubles. But it doesn't make the pain go away. All it does is make it pointless. All it does is reject any hope of a possible future. Sometimes a future hope is all we have. Sometimes life does get terrible and dark, and all we can do is hope for a better tomorrow. All we can do sometimes is hope that it does work out in the end. And that's exactly what God promises us. Countless places in Scripture, he gives us the assurance that everything is going to be okay. In fact, it's going to be better than okay. It's going to be good. I want you to take this with you. I want you to take this one, one little verse, two lines, easy to memorize. Take this with you and use it as Job used it. It's a reminder when life gets tough. Answer like he did. I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. So when life presents you with tough questions that you have no answer for, 
we answer with faith. Because sometimes faith is the only answer we have. But friends, I'm going to tell you, faith is always enough. It might not be what you want, but faith is always enough. Because it's faith that will give you the strength to look past the dark clouds that are approaching. It's faith that will give you the strength to look past the storm that rages all around us. It is faith that will give us the strength to see beyond the shadows that have gathered around our life. To say, I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last... He will stand upon the earth. To God be all the glory forever and ever.